This is the Everything EV Podcast by EV Powered. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Everything EV Podcast, the podcast dedicated to everything electric. I'm your host, Charlie Atkinson, and in these episodes, we'll be discussing everything to do with electric travel. So whether it be cars, bikes, boats, or even planes, we'll have it covered. We'll also be speaking to people from within the industry to get their views on the EV space, as well as other features such as electric car reviews, electric motorsport coverage, and much, much more along the way. This podcast is available on all streaming platforms, so be sure to subscribe to wherever you get your podcast from to receive every single episode as soon as it's released. And please do go back and check out all our other episodes too. Today, we're joined by Duncan Forrester, the Chief Communications Officer for Volta Trucks. Duncan is here today to discuss the journey of Volta and how the company has grown into one of the most exciting zero-emission vehicle brands in the world. In this interview, he will outline some of the challenges the company has faced, the future of electric HGVs in general, and what the long-term vision of the company is. Duncan, thanks for chatting with me today. Now, I suppose the best place to start is how would you best describe Volta as a company and what its mission statement is? Volta Trucks was set up by a founder um, in uh, 2019 following uh, a realization of a number of, of facts that go back to the launch of the Tesla Model 3 um, in 2016. Uh, and, and at that point, he, he looked around and realized that uh, Tesla had taken hundreds of thousands of orders and passenger cars were becoming, electric passenger cars were becoming a reality. And yet in the commercial vehicle space, there was nothing really going on or, or electrifying existing vehicles. Um, what he also realized is that if you look at last mile uh, logistics uh, and vehicles traveling around in city centers, that's really the source of most of the air quality problems that people experience in city centers. Also that a battery electric vehicle had the range to deliver what was needed for a last mile in a city urban logistic vehicle. But that if he completely re redesigned that vehicle without the legacy of an internal combustion engine, but with the compact electric drivetrain that was now available, you could completely redesign that vehicle from the ground up that, take, that took away the last point of his realization, which is the safety issues of trucks driving in inner cities. So if you, if you take Transport for London's own statistics, that'll tell you that 4% of road miles in London are traveled by trucks. And yet 26% of pedestrian fatalities and 78% of, of cyclist fatalities are attributable to large trucks. So when all of those factors came together, he realized that there was an opportunity to completely redesign the medium duty large uh, commercial vehicle from the ground up with an electric drivetrain and really to make some very significant societal differences to those living in city centres as well as addressing air quality and climate change issues. Yeah, so when you talk about redesigning the conventional internal combustion engine to an electric powertrain, but also, like you said, in order to improve air quality and safety as well. And I mean, even just looking at the Volta Zero and all the different products, they do look amazing and they've completely transformed what a conventional truck looks like. But What's the sort of science and logic behind the design and what it sets out to achieve? I think, well, the, the, the science behind it is really driven and motivated by the visibility of the driver. You know, if you relate to those Transport for London statistics, all of that is geared around the poor visibility that a driver has today of driving a legacy vehicle in amongst city dwellers. Uh, and if you, if you 
take the time to go and drive a, a, a established vehicle uh, today, a traditional vehicle that, that, that operating today, you very quickly realize, A, the poor visibility that exists of all of those people who are immediately around you, and B, how high you actually have to get up into those vehicles. Um, because uh, another one of, uh, of Carl Magnus, our founder's views was that what he wanted to do was to make a vehicle that was much uh, more premium and driver focused. Um, and, and if you think about it, a driver of a urban distribution vehicle is going to be getting in and out of a, a, a truck 20, 30, 40 times a day. And in an existing vehicle, they are jumping down from great height. Um, so is a constant source of ankle and knee injuries for drivers. But importantly as well, they're, dry, they're getting out of the driver's side of the vehicle into traffic because that's where you step out of. So that was really the motivation for the central driving position in the complete ground up design. We'd freed up that space where the internal combustion engine was, and that meant we could put the driver in a central seating position so that wherever they were on left-hand drive or right-hand drive markets, wherever they were operating in city centers, they would always get out onto the pavement, which of course is the safest place for a driver to get out of. And the, the, you know, the additional dimension to that was that we didn't want swinging doors as per normal conventional doors, because those doors swing into the pathway of a cyclist who's cycling past you. So sliding doors that keep to the width of the vehicle um, is you know, always designed to be the safest possible way that we could approach uh, the, the, the driver and, and the, the way that the truck integrates with the infrastructure around it. Yeah, I wanted to ask if you've had any feedback on products so far from lorry drivers and truck drivers, and I wanted to see what they think. And I mean, personally, I have zero experience with trucks, but I mean, prior to this interview, I actually showed some of the pictures of the Volta Zero to my dad, who's driven lorries for about 10 years or so. And I spoke to him about some of the, the different features that we've discussed already, and he said that the Volta Zero looks to be a bit of a game changer. And now, I mean, not to answer the question for you, but has that been the sort of general feeling you've, you've received so far? Well, I, I think your, your, your father's a very educated man. Uh, no, uh, uh, so, so it is, it is. Um, you know, it, it's one of these things that when, when we're doing this now, that sort of, well, why hasn't anybody done this before? Well, the reason anybody hasn't done this before is because nobody has actually taken this ground up approach to vehicle design. But, but if, you, if you put yourself in that driver's position, putting yourself in a central seat means that you can very quickly understand both sides of the vehicle uh, much more clearly than you can with sitting on one side, which you've got, you know, one side of you is that your near side is, is very, very clear, but your offside is always a bit of a bit of, bit of an un unknown entity. Um, so the, the feedback absolutely we've had from drivers is, is super positive. Um, it, it takes a little bit of getting used to, Yes, yes, it does, because it, it is quite different. But but the, the the interesting comment that I had from one of the drivers who who has taken taken uh, uh, the opportunity to drive it was that it took a little bit of getting used to, but it was actually more difficult going back to left and right hand drive than it was going to a central seating position. And I think once the driver's been through that piece of adjustment, and we, we will be training drivers on the vehicles as, as part of our vehicle offer, um, I, I think they really won't look back. 
Yeah, I suppose that's a common theme of, of going from internal combustion engines over to electric, isn't it? I mean, it's been the same for me going from combustion back over to electric and then having to go back every now and then to, to drive a petrol or a diesel. And it's almost impossible, really. And you really do notice and appreciate the difference in the ride and the quality. And now, I don't know if you've had any experience of this yourself, but when you talk about lorries, how difficult is it from a pure driving perspective to make the switch from internal combustion over to electric? Is it as straightforward as it is with norm as a normal car or is it a bit more complex? I think it depends on your audience. So there's two audiences I would I would really categorize in this. From a driver's perspective, um, they they will get in the vehicle. Um, yes, it takes a little bit of getting used to, but actually it's providing that the central seating position is much more intuitive um, for, from a from a safety and a, and a understanding the dimensions of the vehicle perspective. The silent operation of an electric vehicle is much, much more premium than the constant rattle and noise of uh, an internal combustion engine. So it's, it's providing the driver with a much more premium, enjoyable driving experience. And that, that's also linked to the ground up approach we've taken to the the interior design as well which is you know, designed to reduce the cognitive overload of, of of drivers and really getting them to focus on what they need to focus on um because you know drive driving a large truck in a tight city center takes an awful lot of concentration so you want to minimize that that sort of overload in, in the dashboard but the second audience which are crucial to this um, are the fleet operators and the fleet managers who are running these vehicles so for, for those uh, for that audience it's super important that they actually understand um, the transition that they need to make because they've got decades of experience of buying diesel engine vehicles that are you know, they know where they're going to fuel them. They know the residual value of those vehicles. They know the service and maintenance of those vehicles. And we totally understand that the transition that they are now needing to make is a potentially a daunting one. And it's not always their area of speciality. So hence why uh, when our founder originally came up with the, with the product concept of the vehicle, he also came up with the concept of, of, a, of a product called Truck as a Service which is a service-based offering that covers all of the elements of the conversion to an electric vehicle that a fleet manager needs to think about but doesn't really know where to start with. So of that, I would include the financing and the residual values of an electric vehicle that are different to, a, to an internal combustion engine. Insurance is going to be different. Um, service and maintenance because the service and maintenance of, a, of an electric vehicle is very, very different to an internal combustion engine vehicle. Um, but also you've got the, tele, the telematics, the training, um, and the, real, the really important one, which is the absolute answer that we always have to have, is the charging infrastructure. How is actually somebody going to, in inverted commas, fuel an electric vehicle? Because that you know, we, so we we need to work with that fleet operator, um, with their depot, with all of their infrastructure to understand how we can get a, a sufficient energy supply from the grid into their depot, so that they can run these vehicles. And when you've got all of those six elements, that's when a customer is really going to have that full understanding uh, and. All of that risk, all of that, all of that uh, product, we take internally, so a fleet manager hasn't got to worry about it themselves. Yeah, I just wanted to go back to when you spoke about how you're going to fuel these electric vehicles, because I mean, 
whenever you talk about electric vehicles, the conversation always shifts over to range, charging, how many miles it can do and, and so on. So when these trucks get out on the road, finally, what is the range going to be like and how fast are they going to be able to charge? Yeah, certainly. So we have a very, very deep engagement with our customers. Uh, and, and with that, we we understand their current telemetry data of their vehicles. Um, and we can then make assessments as to uh, whether we think our vehicle is going to be suitable for them or not, because in some circumstances, uh, it, it won't work. We are very clear on the use case that this vehicle is designed for, which is an uh, urban and urban logistics vehicle. It's designed with a range of 95 to 125 miles, uh, and that is with a standard range vehicle or a long range vehicle, two battery packs or three battery packs. Um, And the deep engagement we have with our customers says that that is more than sufficient for the, the, the vehicle operations that they have today for vehicles like this. Uh, urban logistics vehicles that are spending most of their day sitting in traffic, making deliveries in city centres. Now, what we are not targeting this vehicle towards is a cross-country, cross-continent, long-distance vehicle, because we know that battery range is, you know, is a challenge in, in that dimension. So we are, we are specifically designing the vehicle for a back-to-base charging method, So the vehicle will spend its evening probably charging and being reloaded. And then in the morning, it will go out and do its deliveries and it will do its whatever range it does. And then it'll come back still with a good amount of charge in it for the practice to be be, done again the, the following day. Yeah, I wanted to ask about that and whether Volta has any plans further down the line to target those longer distances and to go cross country, like you said. And I mean, you've sort of answered that question already, but on a along a similar theme, when it comes to electric lorries and HGVs and transitioning those vehicles over to zero emissions alternatives, there's always that debate between electric power and hydrogen. And so I was just interested to get your take on, on that debate. Do you think it is electric all the way or is there a future for hydrogen somewhere? I think it depends on what timeline you apply to, to that question. Um, we've gone down the route of uh, an electric urban distribution vehicle because we know that um, we have the air quality issue that is in city centres today. Uh, and that was one of the solution or one of the, the issues that our founders set out to create a solution for. Um, we know also range is a consideration when it comes to battery electric. Uh, and one of their real drivers and motivations is to make a difference now. Um, you know, we, we hear legislators talking about 2035 and 2040 for the bans of internal combustion engines, but their motivation is to really get on and make a difference now, because we know that the climate change emergency is a, is a reality today. So we know very clearly that an electric charging infrastructure is deliverable today. And uh, and that you know that that is uh, is something that we can we can deliver and we can manage it with with today's technology. What comes in the future in terms of extended range of batteries or hydrogen? I think is the jury's out on that. Uh, there are a number of different brands and a number of different suppliers looking at different technologies and trying to make decisions on on what might work for the longer haul. But what's very clear, if you take that original motivation from our founders, is that hydrogen, there isn't a charging infrastructure yet. And battery, we haven't really got battery density to a point where it works 
for the long haul yet. So I think we, we park that discussion. Um, that will probably be for others to resolve in the fullness of time. For us, it's all about making a change, making a positive societal impact today. And with that, we know we can do that with an urban distribution vehicle running on battery. Perfect. And now just to go back to the start a little bit, obviously you said the company was founded in 2019. So I was just wondering if we could get a bit of an overview of the journey the company has been on so far, what the landscape for the company looks like today and what sort of significant milestones you've achieved so far. Certainly. Well, uh, the, the the idea and the and the first seed funding came in 2019, which is why we why we talk about the journey really starting there. But we we released the Volta Zero and launched the Volta Zero in September 2020. Uh, and of course, that was slap bang in the middle of a pandemic. Um, so we are, a, if you like, a child of COVID, and we are very comfortable in you know b- being being virtual and engaging with our customers in a very virtual way. But customers really wanted to see this vehicle uh, up close. So after the launch, we took took it on a European tour, and we've now we're now on our second European tour, so that customers can really see, understand, and experience the vehicle. Um, and that to date has delivered us around about 6,000 pre-orders for the vehicle, which has got a value of around about 1.3 billion euros of pre-order value. Uh, and those are ve- those are orders that we now need to convert into binding orders. Parallel to that, our engineering teams started work on the development of the real vehicle. And, uh, and that work started in January 2021 in earnest. Uh, and they've been working through a very, very fast paced and condensed engineering development program, given the pace of work, uh, given the pace that our that our founders are originally motivated by. So we uh, we, we showed uh, what's best described as mule vehicles, uh, which don't look anything like the real vehicle, um, but were, were had all of the main running uh, the drivetrain underneath them that they've been running now for getting on for nearly a year um, at uh, Proving Grounds. Uh, and uh, in uh, the tail end of 2021, we showed the final design of the vehicle and that then led into the development of 25 road going prototype vehicles that are now built and are doing the, all of the testing that you would normally expect a, uh, a, a vehicle to go through in terms of quality and durability testing. Um, and so those vehicles have been north of the Arctic Circle doing cold weather testing. They're doing, uh, they're doing you know, all, of the, all of the rigorous testing that you expect. We then build the second generation of prototype vehicles. And those are vehicles we're going to be lending to customers uh, that will be coming through later this year. And we then start production of customer specification vehicles um, in very early 2023. So if you, if you look at that on a, on a timeline, my own experience of having worked on many, many vehicle projects before in many different manufacturers, the normal timeline of development of a vehicle from first design through to the first production vehicle is somewhere between five and seven years. For us, that will be about 24 months. Um, which is unheard of in this industry, but it really gives a sort of an indication of the sorts of pace that we're working at and we need to work at um, to get vehicles onto the roads. Because I mentioned earlier that we think that politicians aiming at bands of 2035 and 2040 are being a little unambitious. 
Uh, if you look over the channel to our friends in France, uh, policymakers in Paris have banned diesel engine trucks from the streets at the end of 2023, which is only 18 months away. So there is a real need and a desire from French customers to get vehicles on the road as soon as possible, hence why we are working at the pace we're working at. When you talk about demand, and earlier on you said that Volta is ultimately a child of COVID, and I mean, it's impossible to predict what's going to happen in the future, but how much of an impact does the pandemic and the semiconductor shortage still have on the business today? And I mean, a bit more broadly, what are some of the biggest obstacles and challenges that you're facing as a company at the moment? Um, I think it's, it's, it's multi-dimensional. I think that what COVID showed us was the undervalued, the previously undervalued role that truck drivers were playing. Uh, and I think that really sort of shone a light on the value that truck drivers brought to society uh, at a time when, um, you know, when we were all locked down uh, and uh, really showed us that every every book you buy from Waterstones or every you know, burger you buy from your supermarket has been put there by a truck. And that really highlighted the value of the supply chain in, in, in there. Um, in terms of how we see, how we see the supply chain today, um, yes, there are um, supply chain issues. Um, we are not at the moment in volume production, so it's not affecting us. And what it does do is it gives us the opportunity of forward purchasing our um, our commodities and the parts to give us the confidence that we will be able to deliver at the start of production in early next year at our contract manufacturing facility in Steyr in Austria. So at the moment, we, we are confident that, that our timelines are going to stick, um, that we have the, uh, the understanding of the supply chain to ensure that we are going to be able to deliver on our promises of starting production in early 23. Okay, great. And now earlier on, you touched on your sort of to-do list for the company for the rest of the year and next year as well. And I wanted to go a little bit further into the future and, and discuss some of the priorities for Volta as a company, both in the short term and the midterm as well. Well, I think that they are they are numerous and varied, um, but but short term, absolutely, it's all about ensuring that the supply chain and the engineering and the manufacturing teams are working together to uh, get to the second generation of prototype vehicles that we will start building over the summer, um, and then ensuring that everything comes together with uh, with production vehicles in style uh, in early twenty three. Um, on the commercial side, it's all about working with those customers who have pre-ordered vehicles to work through all of the finer details of, that, of those to ensure we get contracts in place um, so that the vehicles that we are building in early 2023 have got customers attached to them, which is obviously what you need to do. Um, then midterm, um, it, it's all about really ensuring that though, th those vehicles are delivering what our customers are, are wanting and expecting of that vehicle. Um, you know, build quality, but durability is going to be absolutely key to the success. So we are in investing hugely in ensuring that from the first vehicle, we are building a, a vehicle that meets our customers' expectations are, are in terms of quality and durability. Going forwards, um, what we've talked about so far, but we haven't overtly said, is uh, that, that you know, the initial vehicle is a 16-tonne vehicle, uh, which is a, a vehicle of uh, about eight tonnes of payload, um, which, which is uh, a large vehicle. We have four vehicles within the total portfolio of planning. Uh, the 16-tonne comes first. The 18-tonne comes slightly later, which is visually a very a very similar vehicle, uh, just slightly longer in the wheelbase to be able to take the extra payload. 
But then as we announced uh, two or three, uh, three weeks ago, two or three, yeah, three, four weeks ago, um, the launch of a seven and a half and 12 ton version of the Volta Zero. So that, that's gonna be a very similar design in terms of its vehicle concept, all the safety features of the vehicle, all of the, uh, the positive uh, uh, zero tailpipe emission attributes of an electric vehicle, but in a smaller package, um, because we know that a number of our customers need a vehicle um, that uh, offers them a smaller vehicle to operate in smaller environments. But for instance, a seven and a half ton vehicle um, can operate on Sundays in many cities where larger vehicles aren't allowed to operate. So this, this will broaden the, the product offer, broaden the customer offer, and really give our customers a portfolio of, of products that will work for them. So that'll take us through into 2024, 2025, where we will also have migrated out of London and Paris as launch markets through into other European cities and as announced last week also into the US as well where we'll be bringing pilot fleet vehicles in 2023 uh, and then uh, and then customer vehicles in 2024 and 25. It's a busy to-do list. Yeah so you're going to be very very busy then and I mean I mean it's certainly an exciting time and when you cast your mind a little bit further on just just to wrap things up here Obviously, in the EV industry, the year 2030 is seen as such an important date that everyone sort of holds as this sort of landmark year where the world is going to be completely electric. And whether people agree with that or not, I was just wondering from Bolter's perspective, what does the company look like at the end of the decade in, in your best case scenario? What does that landscape look like to you? Uh, I, I think it's a it's a really interesting question to ask. Um, when, when we talk around uh, Volta trucks with our with our colleagues here, um, as a startup, we're moving at such pace that it feels like a, a week of Volta trucks is it feels like a month or a year in everybody else's world at such is the pace that we work at. Um, I, I think well, it, the straightforward answer to the question is that we will, from what we know today, have a portfolio of four full electric vehicles operating in numerous city centers around Europe, US, and by that time, probably Asia as well. Um, but I think more holistically, actually, if I come back to where we started, um, actually, what we will be doing is making an enormous positive contribution to society. Our city centers will be safer, um, because trucks will be operating around those streets and not having the detrimental effect on pedestrians and cyclists around them. Air quality will have been improved enormously because of the removal of diesel engine vehicles from, from the streets. Um, so I think, you know, when, if, if I come back to our founders' original vision, we will actually be seeing very, very clear and demonstrable evidence of our cities becoming safer, healthier, and more pleasant places to be. Um, the bit that I would come back to a little bit though, is whether 2030 is that deadline, because it is for passenger cars, but for trucks, it's 2035 and 2040, if we're talking about the UK. And if you think about that, if you are a fleet operator who wants to defer, you've actually got two complete eight year replacement cycles between now and then. So actually we always look to try and influence those timelines to really accelerate those timelines 
to make that electric deadline of transition as early as we can do, because we know that the technology is available today. It exists today. Uh, and so therefore we really need to encourage those, that those customers to make that change today, supported by legislators forcing that change to really start you know, addressing the climate change, addressing the air quality issues and addressing the, the health and safety issues that we know exist today as quickly as we can. That's all for this episode. Many thanks for listening. And if you liked it, then please do check out all our other episodes and be sure to subscribe to wherever you get your podcast from to make sure you get every single episode as soon as it's released. For daily news coverage features and much more, you can also head over to evpowered.co.uk. Thanks once again for listening and we'll see you on the very next episode of the Everything EV podcast.